Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. We are in Romans chapter 8. Thank you for all of your prayers. I know many of you were praying for my family and me as we went to Oak Point last week. Uh, thank you for that. Um, they did hire me. And so uh, it really does feel like you're sending us out on mission. And I just wanted to thank you for that. Let's go to our God in prayer. Oh, Father in heaven. The bond between a shepherd and the congregation can be so wonderful. We thank you for the last six years, for all the Christ we've seen and come to know and love and cherish together. Father, I thank you also for the seven people who today are going into the waters of baptism, making a clean break with their old life symbolizing what's happened to them as they've been united to Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. Father, I pray that they would fully embrace the new life they have with you. And now, Father, we open your word and we ask you to open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your word. Spirit of God, come and fill this room with the fullness of God. Do that in the children's classrooms, in the lobby, everywhere here. We need the life of the Spirit. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers." And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The word of the Lord. So we have two sermons left in this life-changing uh, book of Romans. I've heard from so many of you just about the impact that Romans is having in your life. You know what it is about Romans, right? Because Romans has changed millions and millions of lives. Romans gets into the marrow of humanity's cancer in order to soar to the heights of gospel glory. Last month I was praying with a brother who's in the hospital with COVID, who's in his late 50s. And you and I know, based on what, everything we've seen in the last year and a half, that when someone has COVID bad enough to be hospitalized, many times they do not come out alive. And so this brother rightly was fighting fear and anxiety when his oxygen levels were at their worst. But then everything turned for the better. The numbers turned for the better. And they released him from the hospital. And the whole time, he was just so aware of God's presence and love for him. Here's what he said. As I look back on my COVID experience, I am grateful to God for healing me and sparing me from severe lung damage or worse. 
But the most significant thing that God did for me was spiritual, not physical. He provided the peace that surpasses understanding and took away the anxiety and panic that I started to feel when my condition was getting worse. His peace and love surrounded me and my identity in Jesus was more real than ever before. This experience could have been terrible and frightening, but God turned it into a time of blessing that I will never forget. Wow. Now think of a time when you've been sick just with a cold. Okay, so you took Dayquil or NyQuil, no biggie, your work and life were barely affected. That cold and severe COVID are extremely different illnesses. The one barely slows you down. The other could kill you. The reason so many people come to church or read the Bible and they end up with religion and without God is because they treat their sin like a cold. But sin is far worse than severe COVID. It's not just that sin might possibly or potentially or probably kill you. Sin will kill you. But we see it as a cold. We treat it as a cold. And therefore, our understanding of the gravity of our situation before God and for all of life on earth fails to bring us to our knees at the foot of the cross in quiet delight or loud proclamation at the deliverance that Jesus has achieved for us. And so here's where Romans is so transformational. Because Romans will not allow us simply to skim the surface of our malaise. No, Romans gets into the marrow of what's wrong with us in order to then lift us up and envelop us in the love of God. That's what chapters 5, 6, and 7 did. Immersed us into the marrow of the problem of sin, death, and law. All the while weaving in God's action through Messiah Jesus who came to pay for our sins, conquer our death, and fulfill God's law. And then in chapter 8, Paul takes a turn and begins this steady climb to the complete victory that Jesus and the Spirit of God bring to God's people. And by the way, since I won't be able to say this to you again, the two most important words in all of world history and in the story of your life are Christ and Spirit. Say them with me. Christ and Spirit. Those are the two most important words, realities in all of life, in all of history. In fact, if you wake up at 2 in the morning, I want the first two realities that invade your consciousness to be Christ and Spirit. Not, I got to pee and get some ice cream. Okay? I want that to be what you, your eyes open, Christ, Spirit. You have two eyes, Christ, Spirit. Christ achieved your salvation. The Spirit of God applies that salvation to you all the way until you're home in glory. Okay, so make it your life's ambition to go as deep as you can, as far as you can, as hard as you can after Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. Amen? Now back to Romans 8. So as Paul begins this steady climb toward this complete victory that Christ and the Spirit achieved for us, he also wants us to know... That the road to victory is marked with hardship, with suffering, with groaning. Who's groaning? The creation itself is groaning. And the people of God are groaning. That was last week's sermon. Well, today we see that the Spirit of God also groans. 
the Spirit of God also groans within us. And all of this is part of how God, in all that he is, has done all that we need to see us all the way home. God, in all that he is, has done all that we need to see us all the way home. And so we're going to look at three ways that God has done all that we need so that we can make it all the way home. First, our prayers are strengthened by the Spirit. Romans 8.26, Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Okay, so Paul's been speaking about this complete glory that the creation and God's people are headed for. But as we go, he also realizes that the journey is going to be marked with suffering. You can't get pregnant. Your spouse breaks the marriage vows and so breaks your heart. You can't get married. You hear news of injustice in our land across the world. Christians are persecuted, children starved, women abused. One of your parents gets a terminal diagnosis. Your job is hard and disappointing. All of these things are perplexing and they can make us feel powerless. They can make us feel weak, which is why Paul says here, the spirit helps us in our weakness. And there's something specific Paul has in mind when he's thinking about our weakness and that is our prayers. Our prayers. That's why he says, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Can you relate to this? Have you had a trial so significant that you just didn't even know what to say? Even to God. You know, it wouldn't surprise you if I say to you that this whole process of discerning God's next assignment for me, for our family, has very much been a trial, a test. It felt long, uncertain, uncomfortable. And there were times when I just didn't even know what else to say to God. Well, Paul wants us to know that in those times, the Spirit of God who dwells within us is our helper. How does the Spirit of God help us in these times? Does he put words in our mouths? No. No, he does not. Not in this case. Paul says, look at what he says. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Other translations say wordless groanings. Wordless groanings. Speech is not involved. And I wonder if we're able to sit with God in our hardship, in our suffering, in our groaning, and trust that God's Spirit is helping us, that God's Spirit is interceding for us at a level beyond human language. You know that I'm a very cerebral person. You know, my brain is always going and reading and analyzing. And I do that with the Bible too, which has been a great gift to me and to others. But some of the sweetest times that I've had with my God came at a time of trial, not only, but often at a time of trial when I was at a loss for words or a solution. But my spirit was aware of the presence of God's spirit interceding for me, helping me, praying on my behalf. Can you relate to this? Your tears, grieving the spirit of God? I'm not just talking about your tears, grieving your soul. This happens to every person in the world. Christian or not. No, I'm talking about your tears, your pain, grieving the Spirit of God within you and you knowing this. 
your grieving causing the Spirit's groaning. Paul wants us to know this. This is such a beautiful truth. In Matthew 10, Jesus tells his disciples that when they're brought before authorities because they're testifying on his behalf, to not be anxious about what they were going to say because it'd be given to them at that hour. And then he says to them, for it would not be you who speaks, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. That was Matthew 10. Romans 8, 26, talking about a different kind of trial and a different kind of intervention by the spirit of God. This is wordless groans. Offer up by the Spirit of God within you on your behalf. Isn't that beautiful? Look at verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So now God comes into the picture. God the Father comes into the picture, and Paul calls him he who searches hearts. He who searches hearts. So much could be said about this. But let me just say that God wants to know you and knows you and wants you to know that he knows you, that he, has, he takes a special interest in you. God has access to your heart, to that which is deepest about you. That's a terrifying and exciting thought. It's terrifying because what's he going to find? But it's exciting because the deepest human need is to be known and loved. The deepest human need is to be known and loved. It takes all kinds of shapes, all kinds of addictions. We've been hearing them in the 9 o'clock, in the 10.30 service. There's all kinds of things we go after. But what we're really after at the end of the day is to be known and loved. And our greatest fear is that those who know us best won't love us because there's so much about us that's not lovable. Right? I mean, there's a, there, there are times when Ann and I are getting on each other's nerves. Do you ever get on each other's nerves? Married couples, yes? Okay, yes. And so we'll be getting on each other's nerves, you know, but we, so it's like, oh man, this is not going well. And we'll, we'll try to like turn it, right, from, from becoming more serious to kind of playful. And so we'll tease each other. You know, so we'll look at each other and we'll be like, we'll be really feisty in our faces. But we'll be like, we'll say, you know, it's a good thing I like you so much. <laughs> That's what we say. You know, like we want to say something else, you know. But what we say is, it's a good thing we like, I like you so much. Try it. Try it if you're married. It'll diffuse tension, hopefully, you know. Uh, that's what it's meant to do. But it, there's so much about us that's just not lovable. It's not lovely. Here's what's so amazing about the gospel. Here's what's so freeing about the gospel is that God knows us best and loves us most. God knows you best and loves, and, and loves you most. He does not send us away. And if you're here and you're single, I'm telling you, plumb the depths of Romans 8 and you won't feel alone. Because God is the one that has the deepest access to who we are. And that fellowship is incredible. God knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So here Paul is talking about those times of suffering, of groaning, when we don't even know what to pray for. But then we learn the Spirit of God is within us, interceding for us, not at the, word of, at the level of words. But now we learn that he's always interceding for us according to the will of God. Because you see, the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. God knows the mind of the Spirit. They are one. 
And so the Spirit of God in you is constantly bringing you up, seeking to conform you to the likeness of God. We've been learning in this series that our sinful desires hijack the members of our bodies, remember this, to bear fruit for death. Well, now we learn that the Spirit of God in us is that counter-influence within us that is constantly seeking to conform us to the will of God. This at times when we don't even know what we should be saying, what we should be thinking, what we should be feeling or willing. It doesn't matter because we have the Spirit of God in us and our prayers are strengthened by the Spirit. But also our circumstances are synergized for our good. Our circumstances are synergized for our good. Look at verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This may be the best known verse in Romans and for good reason. Now what's the connection between this verse, verse 28, and the previous ones? Because it's not like Paul is building this incredible argument and then taking a break to insert a hallmark type of verse. That's not what he's doing. So what's the connection? Well, remember, Paul's been talking to us about, yes, the victory that we have through Christ and the Spirit, but also the road of suffering that marks our sojourn on earth. Marked with groaning, with suffering. But as that's happening, in that place of weakness, the Spirit of God is interceding for us. And so in that context, he tells us not only that the Spirit of God is praying on our behalf, but he also tells us that for those who love God, all things, all things work for good. Let's break down this verse briefly. All things work together for good for those who love God. Let's start with all things. Nothing that comes into your life is left out of that promise. Amen. Nothing that comes into your life is left out of this promise. You can't get pregnant. Your spouse breaks the marriage vows and so breaks your heart. You can't get married. You hear of news of injustice in our land across the world. Christians are persecuted and that grieves you. Children are starved. Women are abused. One of your parents gets a terminal diagnosis. Your job is hard and perplexing. All things. What else? A pastoral transition? A childhood wound? An egregious sin from your past, an enemy in your present, looming disaster in your future, all things. What else? Think about the thing that makes you anxious and add it to the list. Because I guarantee you that that very thing that makes you anxious is the thing you fear will destroy you. It won't. But that's what you fear. That's why it makes you anxious. It's the thing that for you spells your disaster. Add it. All things. Nothing is left out. All things Work together. Work together. The Greek word is synergeo, from where we get our word synergy. You can hear it, right? Synergeo, synergy. And what it means is just work with. Work together. Who makes all things work together? God. God does. And then so all things work together for good. Now, there is no law of physics or of anything else it says that things naturally bend toward the good. That things naturally bend toward the good. On the contrary, left unchecked, disaster increases over time. Systems tend to dissolve. Energy disperses. Don't believe me? 
leave four children in a pristine room for eight hours. You'll see. Right? Things do not naturally just move toward the good. That's not what happens. So how can we say this? How can we say that all of the variables that come into a person's life, and we're talking thousands upon thousands of inputs, which include the sin in that person's life and evil that comes to them from others and natural random events and supernatural attacks from the evil one. How can we take all of those variables in a person's life from birth to death and say that the net effect to them is goodness? How can we say that? And the answer is God. God. He turns graves into gardens, seas into highways, bones into armies, shame into glory, mourning to dancing. He gives beauty for ashes. That's why we sing that song. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? See, can we pause for a moment and praise our miracle-making God? If you've seen him do amazing things in your life, praise him. That's right. Don't restrain your praise. Don't restrain it. If you look at your life and you're like, man, there's no way that this plus this plus this equals who I am. Except for God. Praise him. But here's the catch. All things work together for good for those who love God. It's only for those who love God, right? When someone doesn't love God, hard things can really become their undoing. I've seen it again and again and again. Maybe you have as well. So why is it that all things work together for good for those who love God? Well, from God's side, we know that he promises to protect us, to honor us to answer us, to be with us in trouble, to rescue us, to deliver us. I mean, these are just from Psalm 91. There are thousands such promises in scripture and that's what God is doing for you. That's from his side. From our side, when we love God and hard things come into our lives, we refuse to become bitter. And we have people praying for us in diligently and our faith is strengthened by the test. Isn't that amazing? The very thing that would become the undoing of the ungodly person makes the godly person stronger. Yeah. Let me give you an illustration of Romans 8, 28 at work. I love this passage. This is Genesis 31. This is the account of Jacob's life. And Jacob's father-in-law, Laban, had it out for him. Things were good with Jacob and Laban for a while. But they did not remain that way. Things turned sour. And so that's what we're going to read about here. This is in Genesis 31, verse 4. It says, so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah, these are Laban's daughters, into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. Listen to this. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. Do you see that? 
See what's going on? See what's happening? Laban's a scoundrel. He's trying his best to cheat Jacob out of his wages by changing the rules as to which flocks belong to Jacob. But anytime that Laban tries to cheat Jacob, God outmaneuvers Laban. Do you see that? Anytime that Laban tries to cheat Jacob, God outmaneuvers Laban. I mean, he did change his wages. Laban did. Ten times. This did happen. Jacob is not in denial. Oh, my life is so rosy. No, he knows his life is not rosy. It's not that hard things didn't happen. And it's not that hard things won't or don't happen to you. It's what he says after he says that. He says, but God did not permit him to harm me. Listen to me. If you love Jesus Christ, nothing and no one can harm you. They may inflict pain on you. But even that pain, God will mold into beauty. And he'll bring beauty from ashes. That's what he will do. That's who our God is. And so our prayers are strengthened by the spirit. Our circumstances are synergized for our good. And finally, our future is secured for glory. Our future is secured for glory. Do you see why I call Romans 8 this steady climb toward complete victory? It just doesn't stop. And it's not even over today. It keeps going next week. It's unstoppable. Romans 8, 29. He goes on. For those whom he foreknew, God, for those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Here we have what many have called the golden chain of salvation. This golden chain of salvation has many links, and they're all linked together and cannot be broken. And the first thing that I want you to see about this golden chain of salvation is that all the actions are done by God. All the actions are done by God. I need you to see this. Look at what it says in verse 29. For those whom he, God foreknew, he, God, also predestined. And then in verse 30, those whom, so God predestined, God, well, God foreknew, God predestined, God called, God justified, God glorified. All five links in this golden chain of salvation are the action of God. That's the first thing. The second thing that I want you to see is that if one of these links is true of you, all five are true of you. Do you see that? I want you to pay attention to that word, those. Okay, so let's trace that together. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Do you see? If one of these links, if one of these actions of God is true of you, then all five are. It's not that God foreknew these people, but he decided to justify a different set. That's not what it's saying. It's not that God called a number of people to himself, but he decided to glorify a different set. No. They're all true of you or none are true of you. And you guys, this, I can't tell you how this changed my life. How this changed my self-understanding. In fact, I would say it like this. In the last six years, I've had different ones of you come to me at different times and say things like, Pastor John, you seem to really enjoy what you do. Or you seem to really love Jesus. Or you seem to be really happy and, and not be weighed down with worry. Or you seem to uh, not hold grudges. Now, 
like all of us, I know that, um, I know the extent to which any of those statements is not true of me, right? Because I see my heart. You can't. But to the degree that any of those statements is and when any of those statements are true of me, it's because of verses like Romans 8, 28, 29, and 30. Because what these show us, you guys, is that God is for us. God is for us. And this was revolutionary for me. When I understood that either all five of those things are true of me or none are true, it just changed my life. Because you see, I reasoned like this. I knew that God had called me to himself. I knew that. And I knew that he had justified me by faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, he had put me in the right with himself because of his son. So I knew those two things. But what these verses started doing for me and the way that I started reasoning was, okay, if God called me and justified me, then that means that he also predestined me and foreknew me long before I ever existed. And he will definitely bring me to glory. Do you see this? I realized that God's involvement in my life went way back and was way closer in and would last way after my strength had given in all the way to eternity. And I was like, no way. No way. This is amazing. Can we praise God for this golden chain of salvation? If you know, because here's the thing, you guys, you may be here and you may know, you know what? I know that I'm following Jesus today. How do I know that I will in 10 years? Because of this. Because you know that if God has called you to himself, that means that he foreknew you, he predestined you, he called you, he justified you in Christ, and he will bring you to glory. I mean, it's in the past. He glorified you. It's done. God has done it. Now you just need to walk it out. It will be so. And the purpose for all of this is verse 29. Look at verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Listen, God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. We've been learning in Romans that sin entered the world through Adam. And from that point forward, the image of God in us has been stained, marred, disfigured. We're still human and we still have the image of God, but it's distorted in us beyond recognition. But the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is the only human being who possesses and displays that image of God perfectly. And the reason he came was that through his life, death, and resurrection, he might begin to implant that perfect image in us. And I want you to think about this, because if you think about a follower of Jesus who's had a deep impact in your life, when you drill down into what it is about them, you will see always that it is the image of Christ in them. That's what's impressed you so powerfully. You know, throughout the years of ministry, 
The Lord has always sent uh, gospel partners into our lives. And it's been so wonderful. You know, these are gifts, people that God surprises you with because they come into your life and they really want to do gospel ministry with you. They really want to do it with you. Paul has, uh, he lists in all kinds of uh, different ones of his letters, uh, people who are co-laborers in the gospel with him. And I've mentioned different ones of you throughout the years. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to mention all of you, but there are just so many of you that have been great gospel partners with us in this mission that the Lord gives us together. Certainly the staff here at Woodside Royal Oak, and I just commend them to you that you support them, that you know who they are. You know, there's a number of them who are sick right now, that you may be praying for them, that you may be just, you know, holding arms together, locking arms together as you continue in this mission. But I've been so blessed uh, to work with them. So many different gospel partners. One of those couples that has been a wonderful partner with us in ministry has been John and Patty Nagel. Now, John and Patty came to Woodside Royal Oak uh, right around the same time that we did in 2016. And so pretty quickly they made an appointment with, with me and they came and we met together and they basically said to me, put us to work. We love the Lord. We have a level of maturity and experience in the body of Christ. Put us to work. And you need to be careful when you say that kind of thing to a pastor. So to work, we put them and wow, the fruit the impact, the influence that this couple has had over the last six years in this church body goes beyond what any of us can discern through the human eye. Patty is a woman that I pray all the women in this congregation and all of my daughters grow up to become like. She struggles physically intensely. But that never stops her. I have sent woman after woman after woman to Patty. And whatever their issue, whatever they may be going through, young or older, these women always find two things in Patty. Deep compassion and unflinching devotion to Christ. And it's amazing. That deep compassion is birthed out of her unflinching devotion to Christ, to his truth, to his grace, to his love, to his mission. And that combination is killer. Actually, the opposite of killer. So life-giving. <laughs> it is so life-giving. And John has always been such a wonderful shepherd to his wife and such a partner with her in ministry. But I'm telling you, think of anyone who's made a deep, a godly deep impact in your life and you will see that what did that was the image of Christ in them. And that's why God foreknew us and predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son in order that Jesus Christ, he says, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Guys, Jesus comes to us as our older brother to gather God's many sons and daughters. That's who we have. Have you given your life to him? Have you trusted him for salvation? If so, you need to be baptized in water, make a clean break with your old life, and fully embrace the new life you have with him. And if you have given your life to him, you belong to him, and you call this your church home, then 
through this pastoral transition, church, what this church body needs from you is for you to be all in. For you to be all in. This is not a time when the body of Christ needs you to sit back and hold back and stand back and just kind of watch. I'm just going to watch and see what happens. Uh-uh. What the body of Christ needs, what your older brother Jesus Christ is calling you to is be all in. I've heard in the last couple of months from a number of you, I'm finally getting involved. I heard it this morning at 9 a.m. There was a lady at the welcome desk and she said, you told me to get involved. And there she was welcoming people. So good. But that's what your church family needs from you now for you to come in and serve. Come in and give. Come in and be a part of a life group. Be known. Be known and let others know you. This is how this body and everything that God has been doing here for the last number of years is going to continue to yield so much fruit. Fruit to our older brother, Jesus Christ. Come into the family. We have an older brother who loves us, who is faithful to us, who did and is doing everything we need to see us all the way home. Church, the gospel is unstoppable. Our God is making sure that we make it safely all the way home to glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we give you thanks, oh God, for this precious word that you've given us in Romans. Lord, it just seems to not stop. And we don't want it to stop. We want to continue. We want to continue coming to you, coming to these verses, opening ourselves up and asking you to open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your word. Father, Thank you for Jesus, our older brother, the one, the firstborn. He's the firstborn in the family. He holds the place of honor, and we rightly want him to hold that place for all eternity because by his life and death and resurrection, he is making us all sons and daughters. Father, thank you for these precious truths. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit who is in us, interceding for us in our weakness. And Lord, you know, maybe later today, maybe tomorrow morning, maybe Wednesday, we're going to feel weak, very powerless. And it's so good to know that your spirit is interceding with our spirit. Bringing prayers that are conformed into your likeness, to your will on our behalf. We love you. We trust you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.